Hello, I'm RJ City, and you are listening to the Monster Cast. You're going to talk about Bela Lugosi. They're going to talk about Lon Chaney Jr. He'd be so sad, holding his hat, saying, Please, put me in this room and don't unlock the door. And you can't do any better than the Doll Brothers. Jack and Ryan, they're brothers, but they're also bros. Uh, what? Pardon? Wrestling. Well, who the hell wants to talk about wrestling? These are horror movies. It's a deep genre. It's a smart genre. Fantastic actors. Fantastic cinematography. Wrestling is just sweating and fireworks and bouncy ropes. There's nothing. So how do you talk about that every week? All right. Let's see them try. Take it away, you crazy dolls. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap Fightful here. You're watching the Monster Cast with Jack and Ryan. A big shout out to those fellas. Good people. Check them out. Jake and Brian. Brandon Cutler here from AEW, and I hope you guys have an awesome podcast with the Monster Cast. What what was that? Your name is Jack and Ryan? Shut up, Jack and Ryan. Wrestling podcast? How fucking original. I guess I just I mean. Here's your host of the Monster Cast, the Straight Edge Monster Jack and Ryan. Welcome to Prediction Sure to Be Wrong from the Monster Cast. I'm Jack, that's Ryan, and today we are doing AEW's Double or Nothing. It's the third show in the weekend of huge wrestling shows. There's actually a startup show going on right now as well, but um, as far as the main shows over here, <laughs> we've got uh, two WWE shows with NXT Battleground. We've already done did the Battleground Predictions. And we've done the Night of Champions predictions, and Night of Champions actually just got done. We're not going to talk about it, but I will give you an update on the prediction uh, records. I went 6-1, and one and Ryan went 5-2, and two, so I only gained a, one match on them, and we both still did pretty fucking good, all things considered. Um, double or nothing, it's, uh, I believe, 10 matches. Uh, we're just going to go ahead. We don't have graphics still for the other two, because apparently the House of Black match is an open challenge match. So we're just assuming that Acclaimed and Billy Gunn are going to answer that open challenge. Um, but first, before we get to that, we do have the other pre-show. or the Well, I don't know if that will be on the pre-show, but we do know one pre-show match. It's the Hardys and Hook versus Ethan Page and the Gun Club. And Ryan and I are both picking the Hardys and Hook. It's, it's about as a slam dunk as Rhea Ripley over Natalya. Um, so we've got that one. And then we're, I'm assuming that you're going to pick House of Black as well, even if Acclaim to answer the challenge, correct? Yes. Okay, so those two are out the gate, so now we can start with the actual show. So those two yeah, are I, done. Hold on, hold on. I did want to talk about that for a second, though. Okay. Under the house rules, the other team gets to pick one rule that they have to agree to, right? Correct. Why the fuck wouldn't they make the rule just like, yeah, we can have ten guys? Fuck about now. Like, that, that just seems so... Or, like... There's so many things that because you could think of. Because 10 guys can't hold a trio's titles, I assume. That's probably why. Yeah, but why. if we win, then us three win. Like, that's the rule. We yeah, yeah, no, I understand what you're If saying. we win, then us three win it. Yeah, like, there's a lot of different things they could do, and it's always shit like, you know, uh, tornado tag rules or some shit. Like, uh, be more fucking creative if you're actually trying to win the belts. Or just be like, we're allowed to use weapons, but you're not. <laughs> like, there's so many yeah, different no, things. Well, I agree, because, like, if you're looking at how creepy and how dominant House of Black have been since winning yeah. the titles or whatever why wouldn't you try to use that one rule as like some crazy ass stipulation to make sure that you're going to come out of this win uh, with a <laughs> win and rule. with the titles my rule is you guys aren't allowed to do any offense for 10 minutes <laughs> or um, you could just be like uh, my one rule is uh, Julia Hart has to take the place of Brody King um, yeah. in the match or you know <laughs> or be like uh, you could really fuck him up and be like 
you can only tag once every 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you can't You know, some stupid... Like, you could still make it funny at the same time of, ma of making it just absolutely asinine as far as a rule goes, too. I mean, because literally you could just say, yeah, we're just going to fight you three-on-one in a handicap match. You're going right. to pick one person to defend all three of your titles, and boom, that's it. Assuming the rule is that they still have to keep it a three-on-three, -three, there's still a bunch of shit they could do. Like, it's, it's just crazy to me that they're not more crazy. Like, I thought when the best friends did it, that they would come up with something that was, like, actually good. And I mean, these are the guys that try to use chainsaws in a hardcore match, after right. all. <laughs> my, my hope is that, at however they end this whole open challenge thing, is that the last people that they end up going against um, probably are best friends again, and then they pick a rule that, like, there's literally just no way for them to get around, so they end up losing it. That makes, that makes sense with their characters, it protects them, it makes sense with best friends' characters, and then they can have a little trios run. Like, I think that would be a good idea. So, we'll Dude, if I was best friends, especially if it ends up Cassidy losing the title, which I think he will at Double or Nothing, we'll get into that in a minute, but just focus on this match, right? So, like, what if it ends up being the best friends in Orange Cassidy again, which is the, the OG team that we all thought would be a viable option for the trios titles anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Why don't you just have it where all six people, that their one rule is all six people have to have their hands in their pockets the entire match. <laughs> and then the best friends can win that match because they have Orange Cassidy and that's what he's known for. And then boom, they win. And then they can get the titles. <laughs> That'd be fucking funny. If you take your hands out, you're disqualified. And the but I think the, the problem is, is that you have to realize as a fan base and it's more towards the people that aren't, that hate watch AEW, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, is you have to understand that the trio's titles don't need to be taken as seriously as the AEW world title either. Like, if something like that were to happen, you just need to be like, okay, it's the trio's titles. Like, that's this is the division, crazy shit happens. We had a fucking best of seven series with basketball music in the background for the Elite and fucking Death Triangle, two of the most uh, serious teams out there and well-regarded teams. So like, if something like that happened where Best Friends came back with some asinine rule and actually ended up with the title, then you'd have to fucking like bypass all the dumb tweets and negative reaction it would get online because they're going to act like the trio's titles are supposed to be put on the same pedestal as the fucking world title even though the promotion that they watch they have to have three world titles because they won't fucking put uh the one that they lift it up so much on a pedestal and break it fucking back down they'd rather just make a whole nother fucking world title so it only works for one promotion not the other it's so stupid um why i could come back right right back and be like well why wasn't the 24-7 title taken so seriously? You know, something like that. Um, because even though something crazy like that could happen with the extra rule involved with the trios titles, it'll never sink down to the level of the 24-7 title. It'll never be I'll that be comedic on a yeah. on a continuous basis type deal. But there's, there's yeah. always going to be breaks in the action. It's just like when I didn't have a, when I didn't have an issue with the guns winning the tag titles. And I said, like, it's fine. Like, it's okay. They acclaimed just because you're the most over tag team doesn't mean you have to have the titles. The acclaimed didn't need the titles. They were over before they got the titles. So and after. they're Thanks. over right now. Exactly. Like they're over now. They've never really lost any overness from it. So or from losing them. So like that's what I said. The guns needed it, and then what they needed to do was put it on FTR. Did they put it on FTR too late? Maybe. But they were also going through contract shit and whatever throughout the whole time too so but uh i'm going to house of black here ryan's going to house of black we're both going to hardy's and hook let's get to the actual uh matches that we definitely have listed here and the actual main show here let's do it this is an order on wikipedia i believe as well it's jericho versus adam cole in an unsanctioned match with the special enforcer being sabu which was cool as fuck for me uh obviously it's well documented on this program that Sabu was my favorite ECW wrestler, um, which I assume is why Ryan messaged me. I was like, hey, avoid spoilers if you can. Yeah. Um, because he, I assume that he already knew that Sabu had showed up or whatever. So, obviously I marked out for that. That was pretty cool. The, for the people that are saying, I saw a tweet about uh, this is TNA level booking to have Sabu come out of nowhere because he has no connection to it. He literally gave you the connection in the promo when he says... Yeah. That fucking Jericho, it's somebody that Jericho knows very well in the fucking ECW with Sabu, and he lived in Las Vegas where they fucking are for a week and a half. The most the most underrated and unnoticed part of that segment. Sabu's music hit 
He starts walking out. All right, if you're going to say the daddy magic thing where he says, do you yeah. know this guy? Yes. yes. Daddy magic turns to Chris Jericho. Do you know this guy? Dude, that was so <laughs> funny. I rewound it and showed my friends. It's like, watch daddy magic. Watch him. It's so funny. Do you know this guy? Chris, do you know this guy? That's so good. Yes, he fucking knows him. That's why he fucking looked like he saw a ghost, dude. Like, yes, they fought many times in ECW. It's so good. This is, this is great because they could have just rehashed something with an old person like Hooventude like they did with the MJF storyline. But they went out of the way and grabbed somebody else from Jericho's past, which made sense with the Double or Nothing. Sabu doesn't have to go anywhere. They didn't bring him in somewhere. He's already in Vegas. It makes sense. You had a Double or, or you had a Dynamite and Rampage in Vegas already leading up to the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. It, it makes perfect sense why he's there. Um, the connection to Cole is not great, but Cole already said he's going to need somebody fucking crazy because he only has... Roderick Strong in his corner because Kyle O'Reilly's still on the shelf with injury. So, I mean, I'm perfectly okay with this other than even if you took my ties to Sabu being a huge fan of Sabu's out of the equation, I'd still be 100% fine with this. This is cool as fuck. Um, but with all that said, I do have Adam Cole winning this match. Yeah, I do as well. I, I don't think it makes sense to have after... After the way that the storyline has played out, the Britt Breaker stuff and it being unsanctioned and having Sabu there and all that stuff, I mean, they might do some stupid fucking swear where Sabu like ends up siding with Chris Jericho and to teach the young kid a lesson or some bullshit, but it's whatever. I, I think that the way to do this is pretty obvious. You get Adam Cole out of this and maybe put him in the title picture with MJF after the uh, four-way match. Which kind of gives away my pick, but there you go. Yeah, I... I'm going I'm going Cole not just because it makes sense storyline wise to have him go over because they're trying to build up Cole upon his return to be in the main event picture right so ever since he's come back and the whole all access storyline attached with it they're putting him up there in the main event picture yeah. then you have Sabu who's in his hometown currently like this is where he lives so why would you turn heel in front of those people it doesn't it make any sense also Tony Khan on the uh, the media call said that this is just a one-off thing for Sabu. He wasn't booked past this. So there's no reason to turn Sabu heel unless you're going to do something with him after this. They were saying, we'll see how this goes and then we'll go from there type deal for future appearances. It's not like he's ever going to be offered an actual contract with AEW, you know? So um, it would be like an Eric Bischoff type deal where he'd just come in two or three times and then, you know, whatever. Ever, here and there. So, with all those things also factored in, I just feel like this is easily where Adam Cole wins. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a way to book this where Jericho wins and people stay interested in it. So, all right. So let's move on to the next one. We both, all right. So we both got Adam Cole on that one. Next up is Jade Cargill versus Taya. This one is actually pretty hard for me because this is she's sixty and zero, and or about to be sixty and zero if she wins this, something like that, right? So. Does she hit the actual big number, the big 6-0, or does she lose to Taya? And it looked like Taya was actually going to win this, and then I got a different vibe on Dynamite, and I I changed it. So I actually am going Jade Cargill here to retain, and I believe, because this is where it started it all, with Double or Nothing in Vegas and stuff, I do believe that Satlander shows up tonight, or tonight, tomorrow night, rather, um, after the match. Um, I think this I is... I think this is her chance to finally do it. Yeah. Isn't she... Didn't she officially hit 60-0 already? She might have. I don't know. I don't know if she's at 60-0 or if she's at 59-0 and this is going for 60. Either way. I she hit it last week. Um, but, yeah. I mean, this is... This is only tough because we don't know what Satlander's return timeline is and if that's even still the plan or if they want to move Satlander into the world title picture when she gets back or what. It's also tough for me because I don't know what you do with Ty after she loses twice to Jade Cargill either. Right. I wasn't a big fan of the uh, the way that they handled the Lady Frost match at all. That should have been a little bit more competitive for sure. I don't think uh, I don't like the fact that they use Lady Frost at all because Lady Frost is, for lack of a better term, even in 2023, an internet darling, and she does crazy shit. And she's gonna come off as a face in that type of type of match. That's her move set. She has a face move set, and you're putting her against Taya Valkyrie who you're trying to build up as a face to Jade Cargill, 
didn't really make any sense. And then you gave her a lot of offense too because of the way that her moveset is set up. She would have to get offense in to set those moves up. So it's kind of like a... It was almost kind of like a Fuego del Sol versus Miro type deal, right? Like all his moves are like big spots type deal. A lot of Lady Frost's moves are big spots. I just wish they would have picked a more heel... Uh, a heel character for Taya to go against instead of Lady Frost picking up momentum and actual cheers and shit in a Taya Valkyrie match right before she's about to have the biggest match in her AEW career. They could have done another Layla Gray match too since it's against Jade the next thing anyway. Uh, like, would it have been kind of rehashing the same shit? Sure, yes. But it still makes more sense in the storyline and Layla Gray can take the loss. Um... I, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't huge on it. I wish they would use her a little bit better. But also, it's not like she's, you know, some fucking five times. It's not like having Deanna Prazzo come in or anything. Like, she's mostly known from TNA, but it's not like she was the champion over there or anything crazy. So, um, I mean, I kind of get it. I just I wish they would have saved her for something where they could build her off of it instead of losing a fucking squash match. Um, and yeah, just the styles didn't really match up. As far as this one, I think just the... Timetable on Statlander's return matches up with Aya somehow still losing again. Statlander coming back and then that being the next program. But yeah, I don't see what the fuck they do with Taya after this. And I think people are getting a little bit burnt out on the on the Jade thing for the last probably like 10 matches. Um, some people are getting a lot burnt out on it. So some real negative comments. Um, I don't I don't mind it because it's an undercard title, so it's fine to have somebody you know sort of dominate that for a while as a gatekeeper. But I think, I think at some point you have to you have to have her lose it to move Jade up into the world title picture, and at least make her competitive there, or give her a match for it, or whatever, and kind of have that like, oh, okay, like I got here, but I'm not as ready. Like like I said, she still never has in her character arc, it still never had like the fall at all, not once, um, which is obvious from her record. So, is here the place for it? Um, I mean, I could see them giving it to Taya because, again, if you want to do the 50-50 booking thing, she'd already lost once. Now she's allowed to use her special move, which is apparently going to make a big difference. Um, and uh, I could see it, but, I mean, I, I know Statlander's supposed to be back soon, and it just seems more like a setup for that. I'm okay with Taya losing it. It's just I'm so fucking nervous about what they're going to do with Taya afterwards. That's the issue. So... Do they? T it, it seems like everybody that they get in that people love, they turn them heel almost immediately, right? So, yeah. Soraya turned heel, Tony Storm turned heel, Ruby turned heel, Athena turned heel. They all came in as face. They all Hater. came in as faces. So Taya could do that same path um, after this, move on, rack up some wins, and then come back and fight a Statlander for the TBS title later as heel, and could t and then could potentially win. She could go down to Ring Honor, although. Taya's on the older side, so I don't think you waste her in Ring of Honor right now. Um, but the other thing about this is what I what I want to say is the TBS title with Jade, right? Like you were saying, she's been the only TBS champion, right? Hmm. Why would you have this huge run of 60 and 61 wins in a row or whatever and then drop it to somebody that's already had a ton of accomplishments instead of making someone new? Statlander has never had an accomplishment as far as a major world title. So it makes way more sense for her to drop it to Statlander than it would to Taya. Yeah, I agree. We're talking about Taya's AAA champ, Impact champ, longest reigning Impact champ, um, Lucha Underground champ. Like, she's won titles on bigger stages. Statlander has not. So you're going to, if Jade's going to drop it and move on and focus on something else, Drop it to somebody else who has not accomplished anything to help elevate somebody else in the division. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, unless they were doing it as like a, she wins it and then Jade wins it back from her. And then they go two and one. And it's like, I had maintained some credibility, but still. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Cargill wins. I, I agree that there's stuff that they could do with Taya after this, but it just feels like they're, they're setting up the Statlander thing instead, so. Alright, so we're both going Jade there. Next up, the Anarchy in the Arena match. A lot of people are saying that this should go on last. I think that depends solely on 
if they plan on fucking up the entire ringside area and shit like that, obviously. Like, if you're going to take down the ropes and shit like Moxley's been doing in the cage match and shit like that and tearing up the other shit, then yeah, maybe. But they could also play that into a match later with MJF on how he could keep the title because yeah. it would already be fucked up, even though that's technically a no-DQ anyway, so it wouldn't really matter. But it's already done for him. It's already fucked up for him. Um, I don't think it'll be the main event. I wouldn't have an issue with it if it was, if that's the way they were going to go. Like, if the entire area just looked completely fucked up at the end of the show, I'd be like, okay, well, that makes sense why it went on last. Um, but if I was Tony Khan, I would... I would still... I think I'd still book the Pillar 4-Way last just because that's kind of fucked up to... <laughs> to set up this whole Pillar thing and then not have them go on the main event. However, my pick, obviously, for this is the Elite. They've had so much oh, yeah. adversity in this buildup, and they literally just got like a little bit back when they cost uh, Claudio and Wheeler the tag titles against the Lucha Brothers for the Ring of Honor tag titles. That was like the only one-ups they've gotten on fucking Blackpool Combat Club so far. Um, even when Paige came back and realigned himself with them, they didn't even get their hands on them. They didn't really get their hands on them like they wanted to. It's like. Every time the Blackpool Combat Club got on them, they fucking busted them open, fucked them up, destroyed them backstage, stuff like that. Even earlier in that same night that Hangman came back, the Bucks got fucked up again coming in to the arena. So, like, it's it's way up here. Like, if we're playing Extreme Warfare Revenge and you got your feud thing up there and it's counting how many how many numbers for each one's gotten the upper hand in the feud and you're trying to even it out, the fucking Blackpool Combat Club is, like, up 8-2 to two right now. It's fucking insane. So, I'm going the Elite here in Anarchy in the Arena. They were predicting Tony's booking based on what he used to do in video games to win. And what I do currently, yes. Yeah. Um, I think because the Don Callis thing is still unresolved, that that could play a part in the match and then sets it up for them doing something down the line. Um, maybe having something to all in or whatever. It's kind of one of those situations where if it was going on the main event, I would definitely pick Elite and I'd be fucking very comfortable with it. If it doesn't go on last, then I'm kind of iffy on it. I'm like, BCC might win it. Yeah, so the other the other part of that is, too, you have to think about if they're the last two matches, do you close the show with two heels taking away the last two matches? Which is a tough booking decision. There's got to be a buffer in between these two matches. Has to be. Yeah. Um... But I mean, people people have all been talking about you know all in and um, forbidden door and whatever. But I think they're forgetting all out is still a thing. Like they still have to book for all out as well. Um, so it's not like it would hurt them too too bad to take the loss here and then have that advance the Callus storyline. BCC can keep running roughshod and keep playing. They're like we're the we're the real elite. We beat them. Um, play up that whole thing. Keep calling them amateurs. Blah blah blah. Well, I mean, if you uh, wanted, if you're if you're talking, if you're alluding to All Out being where they'd finally do the blood and guts match and entering Ibushi and possibly Takeshita, yes. a heel Takeshita at All Out, then yes, I'm 100% agreeing with you, and then that's where the Elite would finally win when they get right. Ibushi on their side too. Um, but that's such that's so so many big ifs that I'm just gonna pick in the moment and just pick the Elite right now. But if the Blackpool Combat Club win, I'm I'm gonna be very excited because then we're kind of more on the path of what you're thinking right there. Yeah. Um, and the other part of that is, too, I don't think a date has really been announced for um, All Out, either. And I mean, obviously, we know an All In is because everybody's paying attention to ticket sales. But um, they, they keep saying they're still going to have an All Out as well. Um, yeah, I think All Out is September, early September. I'll look it up. Go ahead. Go ahead and tell your pick. I'll look the, the only thing that's making me lean away from it is, is that you would have your last two matches on the card both being won by heels, and I don't think I don't think Tony's really big on doing that for pay-per-views. Um, that's, that's definitely giving me pause. Um, no, I don't see a date for it yet. Maybe they announced it all out tonight. Because they like to do that, too. They do that yeah. um, during the pay-per-view that they're currently running, and then it'll be like a little teaser trailer or whatever, and it'll officially have the date, and then maybe he'll announce it at the media scrum, post-media scrum, too. That'll be tomorrow, but yeah. Tomorrow, um, I know. I keep thinking it's Sunday. I don't know why. 
because we just watched the pay-per-view. <laughs> That's probably why. Um, yeah, I don't... I. Aside from the two heels thing, everything else makes sense for, for Blackpool to win here and for them to finish it at Blood and Guts. Um, because the Don Callis thing not being resolved leaves that open during this match, then opens the door for the Ibushi debut against the Takesha being involved with BCC because Danielson wants him and Takesha Well, I mean, if Takesha turns heel tomorrow night and then just comes out there and he's the reason why BCC wins, then you have the the in for Ibushi. That's what I'm saying. That's, oh, okay, that's got thing. you. Yeah, uh, and just so everybody knows, it should be around the beginning of September because if we're looking at past All Outs, 2019 was August 31st, 2020 was September 5th, 2021 was September 5th, 2022 was September 4th. So it'll probably be that first weekend of September. Yeah, but then the thing is, All In is August 27th. So are they doing... W would it be two pay-per-views like that? Huge pay-per-views back-to-back? Like within a week of each other? Okay, so here's the thing. Like, a lot of people are assuming that All In is going to be, or All In 2 is going to be on max. So it wouldn't be you paying $50 two weeks apart. So $100. So All In 2 would be on max. And if you have max, it's like $15 a month or whatever the fuck their tiers are now. I don't know how much it is anymore. But And then, of course, two weeks later, then you'd actually get the real pay-per-view of All Out back here in the States. Mine's free because I have uh, have it through AT&T. That's cool. Um, part of my internet package, I give it to all our customers for free. Um, yeah, I'm. Well, that's yet to be official as well. Obviously, those are all things that need to be addressed very shortly. Yeah, I imagine that. Uh, well, I don't know about very shortly. It's three months away, but um, somewhat shortly. I mean, um, okay, so, like, we're living in a in a time period where fucking eggs are considered expensive. So, I need, you need to let your fan base have enough time to let them know, hey, you're going to be spending $100 in two weeks on pay-per-views for AEW. That's something that people need to know about. I personally can't speak to that, but I'm sure that that's a concern for... Uh, for if eggs were $1.88 and now they're $6 and something, that's a big jump doesn't matter if you can afford it personally it's still a big jump for the general America um right but they're okay hold on a second because you're you're conflating multiple different things eggs are not expensive right now because inflation is just crazy eggs are expensive right now because there was a very highly transmissible strain of bird flu yeah, I'm aware of why it went up. It doesn't matter. So it's not like everything has gone up the same amount. But everything has gone up, though. Everything's gone up a little bit, but that's just CPI. Like okay, well, everything's gone anything. up a little bit, and your fucking money has not gone up any. That means you're not fucking making as much money as you were. But that's the whole point. Like everything's like four times more expensive now, so now I have to budget $50 like so tight. Where, honestly... An extra $50 that... because it was a $50 thing that didn't exist the last four years. So, yes. I would say, I would say most people probably don't have to think that hard about budgeting i disagree numbers. i would say most people yeah i'm telling you most people do have to budget that hard i don't think so also you can always pay 40 dollars for it with a vpn and it's only 80 so i think you're only paying 30 dollars extra than you thought so um, are you picking bcc then yeah storyline wise it makes the most sense i don't i don't like picking anything that's assuming that Tony's booking two heel wins in a row to close his card, but it just makes the most sense. So, yeah, I'm going to go with them. They have to wrap up. Next the up, Jamie Hayter is defending the AEW World Women's Championship against Tony Storm. The rumor is Jamie Hayter is legit hurt and that uh, they're going to have to drop this title soon. So, I mean, can't do it any more soon than tomorrow night. I've got Tony Storm winning. Uh, it does seem pretty out of nowhere, and then with the injury rumors, it, it does sort of seem like that's what they're doing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with that. Um, the way that it all just kind of came about seemed really sudden. It seemed like they found out. Okay, we're gonna have to get off over so she can go get a surgery or whatever the fuck. I don't I don't think it's public what the injury is yet. Um, but apparently it's it's not severe enough that she can't still do a match, but it is severe enough that 
you know, they're, they're it's severe enough that they kept her out of matches that she would have been in because she would have right. been teaming up with Britt Baker instead of Hikaru Shida. So, right. Yep. So, um, I will also go Tony Storm here. Um, otherwise, just this coming out of nowhere like it has doesn't really make sense. Do you think Storm is a weird choice though? I think that I, I think I think Storm is a great choice because it's somebody that she's familiar with and it's probably gonna somebody that she can trust in this situation where she already has an injury, so she's can be better protected first of all, and they've already had a banger. So even if this one doesn't go that well, you can still go back and watch that match in the history books and be like, every time they fought each other, that sucked. What's well, not the case? Because they just had a fucking amazing match. So that sucks because I don't think this one will be as good because of the injury, but I think. Because it's Tony and Jamie and, and Jamie and they know each other so well, it can still be a solid match, kind of like AJ and Seth, for instance. I'm hoping it's just something like a, like a hernia or something where like it's not really that it's not a super super big deal, but she's not gonna be able to do anything too serious for like four. We'll seasons. know how serious it is depending on how much offense she gets in. Like yeah. if Tony just comes out there and it look kind of feels like a squash match, we're like, damn, did Jamie even do anything? Even though it was like a nine ten minute match. Then we'll know. I think we'll know how serious, or we won't know how serious it is, but we'll know uh, how significant the body part or whatever it is that hurts is. Like it's clearly something that would affect everything that she does in the ring. I could I could see it being something like because if they're still letting her, if she's still cleared to wrestle, I could see it being like a hernia or something where it's like a six week recovery and then just put a titanium plate on it, bro. It'll be all good. Yeah. All right. So next up, I just want to preface this by saying thank you, Tony Khan, for listening to me. Almost everybody in this AEW International Championship Blackjack Battle Royal is a legit fucking winner. There's only a few of them that you can point to and be like, okay, they're not winning, right? So check this out. So thank God QTV got taken out of this shit. All right, so these are the people that are in this match now. And they've all been announced, so there is no surprises unless somebody gets hurt backstage on the pre-show or some dumb shit like that. They got Butcher and Blade, which aren't going to win. But I love Butcher and Blade, so I don't have an issue with that. The only two that... The only two I really don't think are going to have a, a chance at this is really like Lee Moriarty and the the varsity athlete uh, guys, uh, Tony Nese and Davari, right? But you've got the best friends in there. you got Kip Sabian, who I really like in there. you got Keith Lee. you got Juice Robinson. you got Jay White. you got Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, Swerve, Pinto, Phoenix, Bandito, Commander, Big Bill. Like, what the fuck? Like, they actually put some fucking people in here. That are have like legit shots to win. I'm actually going Jay White. I've been on the Jay White train for a while. I was it was down to him and Kip Sabian, but then when I saw this graphic go up and I saw Jay White was in it, I was like, uh, sorry, Kip. I'm going Jay. I want Kip to win it eventually. I really like what he's got going on with the Butcher and Blade stable and Bunny and Penelope Ford. I think that stable is great. I think it's underrated. I think they should get more TV time and some dubs to help their fucking stable. But uh, Bullet Club Gold, dude. The AEW International Championship, which means he could go to Forbidden Door and it would make sense. He could go to Wembley and it would make sense. He can go back to New Japan whenever he wants with that title and it would make sense. He could have a long reign and it would make sense. No, and no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no. Jay White cannot go to New Japan. That yes. was the no. That was the stipulation in his match with Kingston. He can. He can go. No. He can go. Eddie Kingston will sue him in he a court can of go. law. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Eddie Kingston would sue him. Um, <laughs> Cody couldn't win the AEW world title either. All right, so anyway, I'm picking Jay White here for sure. Um, the the next, my next favorites, like the, really the only three that I had possibly winning is Jay White um, and Orange Cassidy. Because I think Swerve and Keith Lee are going to fuck each other over to build up to their final finally getting their fucking singles match um and then like kip sabian was like an outside pick for me that i really wanted to see win um because he has a lot of help in the match obviously he's got butcher and blade behind him so he can he can get some help in the match and do all the dirty work for him type deal but yeah i i, I don't see how it's outside of orange Cassidy and jay white you'd have to pull some strings to try to make it make sense but what i like about this is because they built orange cassidy's reign up so good that he could lose this to pretty much any of these guys and it'd be okay because he's just fucking tired dude he's fucking defended it 20 something times 21 23 times or some shit some crazy ass number but the other reason i'm picking jay white is because jay white is one of the people in this match 
who haven't actually had a one-on-one -on -one match with Orange Cassidy for his AEW International title on this path that he's been on. So that's another reason why I'm picking Jay White. Going to Orange Cassidy, but I think the story that they tell at the end is that he—it's him and it might be him and Jay White last, and then there's some bullshit to get Jay White out where Ricky Starks maybe comes in and, and does it, however they want to do it. Um, but then Jay White has a claim to the one-on-one -on -one match, and then Orange Cassidy is still so beat up that it makes sense to do the the one-on-one -on -one and have Jay White win later. I am kind of disappointed um, that like instead of like Tony Nese and Davari, they should have put like. Uh, Sean Spears could have been in this match because he has a connection to the Jay White, Ricky Starks, Juice Robinson thing. Um, I guess Vikino is. I guess Vikino is done, even though he was in GCW yesterday. Um, could have had Vikino in this match too; would have been cool. What happened to? What's the story behind why Hobbs is out? I understand the QTV shit, but I know. They didn't say anything. All I know is last week they said they were going to be in the match, and then this week they're not in the match. That's, they didn't have a QTV segment on Rampage, as far as I know. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say Cassidy wins. Because the story that they've been telling in his last couple of matches has been, like, I'm just, I'm super fucking beat up. Like, I, I will take a count-out win, whatever. But the thing is, you don't end a 20-something defense reign with a fucking battle royal. Like, it, it does a disservice to the belt, in a way, to end it that way. And I don't think Tony Khan would be okay with it ending that way. I think he wants it to end, like, in a singles match that makes sense, where he's, like, finally fucking worn down, whatever, and not just, like, oh, yeah, 20 guys all fucking stomped him out and threw him out. That that seems like a really dumb ending to his reign, which is a historic reign in the company, as far as number of defenses and all that. So I, I don't see Tony doing that. It wouldn't really make sense. So I've got Cassidy winning this, but losing it pretty shortly after. Probably due to Jay White. I have zero issue with him losing it this way because he's had the long reign behind it. Um, also because it's called an AEW International Championship and you have a lot of international talent in this battle royal. So it's not like it's just a bunch of white dudes from fucking Kentucky in this match. And, they're, are, and they fucking are, 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 we, are we revisiting the champion of Georgia conversation? Yeah, because, I mean, if you want yeah, to. We, I mean, I'm still can. white, so it doesn't matter. No. All right. So, yeah, I've got Orange Cassidy winning, but losing it probably pretty soon. Alright, next up, we've got the TNT Championship ladder match between Wardlow and Christian. I find it weird that Arn Anderson wasn't on the graphic with this, but Luchasaurus is behind Christian Cage. But anyway, um, I would say that I would say that Wardlow is the go-to pick because he just won the title. But we know that the TNT, TNT title doesn't mean shit that you just won it. Like that's not a that's not a crutch to hold on. I mean, I should say. Um, so Christian Cage could easily win this fucking title. Um, with that said, I still do have Wardlow winning, but I, I would not be shocked at all if Christian won this title. I think Wardlow is obviously the favorite to win, but there's so many ways to handle this where you'd have Luchasaurus come in and fucking interfere, and then Christian wins, and nobody's like, oh, you know, well, every, some people are going to be like, oh, well, fucking bearing Wardlow again or whatever. You know, really should do? Him. you know what they should do? They should bring Marco Stump back right here. Marco Stunt was a guy that Wardlow fucking squashed how many times when the when the Jurassic Express was fucking faces or whatever. Wardlow used to destroy him, right? Yeah. To have Marco Stunt come out here and go against the heel Luchasaurus to stop him from getting involved or whatever and helping Wardlow win would be fucking hilarious. And I also love the connection that it would have to Double or Nothing because this, like everybody says, this is where it all started. And Marco Stunt was part of the original roster for AEW. Alternatively have Marco Stunt come out and fuck over Wardlow to help his old buddy Luchasaurus to get back at Wardlow for all the times that he fucking power slammed him. Um, but I don't know what you do with him after that. I think Wardlow's the favorite, but I, 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 I kind of just want to pick what I want to happen here, so I'm going to pick Cage. I, I want to see him be a TNT champion. I think he would, he would make the division relevant again in a way that Wardlow hasn't been able to. Uh, and no hate on Wardlow, they just didn't strike while that was hot, and then after that it kind of fell off, and he can go do some other shit for a little bit, maybe set up the Four Horsemen thing that they're trying to do with, uh, him and Arn and FTR and all that. Um, give, give that some time to brew. Maybe put them in some trio stuff. Um, but I think Christian Cage holding the TNT title is a lot more interesting for that division going forward. You do run into the problem of having too many heel champions right now. 
if you do that, but um, I mean, there's still Orange Cassidy, I guess, and FTR's tag champion, so maybe not. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Christian Cage. I'm not this out of all of them. This is the one I'm least sure of, and the one I'm pretty sure I'll probably get wrong. But I'm gonna pick Cage because I can see it happening. And you could get it right because I do believe that he also fits into the timeline of this alternate universe where Collision exists, and the TNT title is gonna obviously be on Collision because that's the TNT show, mm. right? And Christian can easily work with Andrade, Miro, Punk, stuff like that, and not having any, any issues because everybody respects Christian. And just having another big name over on that show would make a lot more sense than having Wardlow over there if you're trying gives, to sell the show. Gives Edge something to do in about four months, so we'll see. So I don't think it's I don't think it's that crazy of a pick, honestly. I think you might actually get it right. Um, next up, speaking of FTR though. There's no way they lose these fucking tag titles, right? Unless Mark Briscoe turns heel, which is... I've been saying that on the show for a couple weeks. I was like, don't be shocked if Mark Briscoe turns heel. Um, he slapped the shit out of everybody on Dynamite. That was fucking hilarious, right? He slapped he the slap shit out of Jeff Jarrett. Except for Jay he Lethal. He didn't slap Lethal, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but he slapped the shit out of everybody. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, I still do have FTR winning this match, though, and retaining their titles. He didn't slap, he didn't slap Cash, to be fair. He just slapped Dax. Cash kind of pushed him off. Um, I think if this were 10 months into their reign, you could make an argument for Lethal and Jarrett winning it here with some Mark Briscoe bullshit. Mark Briscoe bullshit. Right after they just won it, pretty much their first major program after, I don't see that happening. I think FTR takes this. I think it's pretty clear where the booking's going. I mean, I don't know they, what wanna, they, do with the Mark they only got four years to work here. Maybe they're just going to pull like a Charlotte WWE thing and try to give them the many, many, many reigns <laughs> as tag team champions as possible. <laughs> Listen, when when Jarrett and Lethal won the tag team titles that one night, I I was a lot more okay with it than I thought I was going to be coming into the match because I was just like, that's fucking hilarious. Um, I don't think it makes sense here, though. Yeah, so, this, yeah, this gonna, one might actually like make me like... Uh, uh, Kind of pissed off, like really? Yeah. That's that's what we're doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. Just brought him back. You wait until you got their names on the dotted line and then try to fuck them over. That's what it's gonna feel like. <laughs> right. Now go out there in these fucking weird colored outfits. Nah. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go FTR on this one. All right, and finally the four pillars, uh, AW World Championship match. It is MJF defending the title against Jack Perry, Darby Allen, and Sammy Guevara. Now I will say that on Dynamite. I, I thought everybody's promos, especially like the pre-recorded ones, obviously, but like just everybody throughout the entire night were hitting. Both of John Moxley's promos were really fucking good, and they were vastly different from each other. With the when they the one that he had with the BCC when Daniel Bryan was talking first, or uh, Bryan Danielson was talking first, and then Moxley started talking, and he was kind of like in the Jake the Snake mode where it was a little bit calmer, but he was like telling you straight up what the fuck was about to happen. Then later on in the night, he went fucking old Moxley and just started fucking yelling at him, but it wasn't like. It wasn't nonsensical shit. It actually made sense, and it really sold me for the Elite versus uh, BCC, if you weren't already. That definitely would have helped. And Hangman's promo hit really well as well. Jack Perry's sit-down one in the back hit for me. MJF's hit for me big time until he started making fun of everybody that was in the match. So when he started it out and was talking about how they really are the four pillars and we're the ones that fucking run this company. We've been here since day one. We're the ones that are going to be here after everybody else is gone. That was great. I wish he would have just ended it right there. You you built them all up so that when you win this match, which I'm picking MJF, it makes it a bigger deal. But you just made a joke out of all three of the dudes in the go-home show, which would have been fine three weeks ago when we are all trying to get the clickbait articles and the, the engagement on Twitter and stuff like that. Like, oh, oh my God, did you hear what they said? Like when they had the bar rebar mitzvah angle, right? That's what everybody was talking about, all the, all the barbs that they traded at each other. You should have left that in the past three, four weeks ago. He should have just cut the promo right there, and then everybody would have been hyped for this. But going off and saying that Jungle Boy's a charisma vacuum, and Darby is going to fucking break his neck skateboarding, and Sammy Guevara is just going to get married to somebody else in a couple months. Like, just these things right before, after you just built them all up to be kind of on your level, instead of just saying, hey, they're all that good, and I'm going to be better, and I'm still going to fucking be the champion, would have been a much better promo. So I was kind of disappointed in that. But the first half of his promo was fucking amazing. Um, Darby, when he came out and was talking shit back to him, it was pretty good. It wasn't anything like, you know, it wasn't like five-star promo or anything, but it, it, it served its purpose. 
Um, and then when all three of them were out there to do the whole, oh, it's us three, we gotta make sure he doesn't get it, which we all know is gonna fucking fall apart once the bell rings. Um, which is, I believe, what they're gonna play up to this. I just find I just find it hard to believe that MJF in a no DQ four way match isn't gonna find a way when he has the dynamite diamond ring again. Still, is not going to fucking hold on to this title. There's no way, right? There's no way he's losing this title. No. Uh, the only the only one that you could possibly put it on that would that would make any sense at all would be Darby, and even that doesn't really make any sense. As far as all the promos hitting, dude, Darby's never hits for me. I don't know what it is. It's like the whole, and I was in art school and I dropped out of college to come be a wrestler and nobody told me, everybody told me do I could be a wrestler. Weird, do you think it's weird? Do you think it doesn't, care. but do you think it doesn't hit for you because he, he starts his promo out, promo out every time in the past and doesn't even like actually build up to why he's talking about the past. It takes yeah, him so long to get to his point. Well, it's like, because I swear to God in the promo, when he came out to talk to MJF, he literally started out be like back in 2010. I'm sitting there yeah. like, what? What? That, why are you starting the promo out that way when this dude just ran you down? Well, what does that have to do with anything that's going on right now? So I, yeah. I agree with you to that part of it. Like I just I don't like that he starts out the promos ten years ago. <laughs> it, would, it would make sense if he was saying something that happened between them. Like oh yeah we got started at the same time and blah blah blah. But it was legit just about like oh yeah I I quit college and then I decided. No I, I agree because be like his promos was swerve his promos was swerve actually made sense because they were actually brought up in the same. Seattle-based promotion together, yeah. where Tony Schiavone was there as well. Like in MLW, they, yeah. they were there together as well. So, yeah. like that all made sense, and those promos hit for me more than these ones do. I still like the the Rebar Vince promos. I still loved all of those. So, like at, it, at least when he did that, when he actually connected it to MJF at the end, it also doesn't hit for me because it's like it doesn't sound like it doesn't make it sound like it takes a lot of like lifelong dedication to do it the way that he words it he's like yeah uh everybody told me i couldn't be a pro wrestler and i was in art college and then i quit and now i'm here and now i'm i'm supposed to be like a credible threat like it's very fucking weird to me it just seems really out of place i don't like it it's like it's like if it's the same thing that sammy does when sammy's like yeah i was working at a at a restaurant and then i wanted to be a wrestler and i followed my dream like bro if half the people that i see in fucking firehouse subs can quit anytime <laughs> they go be fucking pro wrestlers. It doesn't seem that special anymore. Okay, so you got to stop saying that shit. Yeah, like, the, I understand. the Whataburger and Subway references from Sammy doesn't doesn't hit for me because I'm like, dude, like no one said that that had no one ever said that that was going to be your career. Yeah, that's literally everyone's starter jobs. Like I don't right. understand what your mindset is. Why did you think personally that you were going to be stuck at Whataburger forever? Like why did you think that? Like I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand that 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 mindset that he has that he has to start bringing that up in the promos it's or the yeah him, him and darby are running that shit into the ground like cody running into his story that he has to finish his was weird to me too because i the whole time i'm like he said the weird thing like um and all these managers told me that they would give me promotions and all i had to do was like keep working there and not leave like yeah that's how fucking promotions work what do you mean you can't get a promotion and leave what are you talking about it was just so dumb. I, I didn't like any of that shit. I don't like when they bring up like, oh, I had it hard growing up. Like, okay, cool. That doesn't make me think that you can be a wrestler. That you tried really hard to be a wrestler. Tell me about your early years wrestling. Tell me about your how much training you put in. Tell me about who you trained with. Tell me about matches you've had with fucking legends that I might have heard of in the past when you were just starting out and they fucking stretched you out and like you got fucked up and had to recover and thought you were going to quit. Like, that kind of shit makes sense. Don't tell me about your fucking fast food yeah, job. Yeah, that's why MJS promos, when he talks about his past, hit. Yeah. Because it's, his is actually shit that, like, actual fucking uh, adversity that he had to come through, come over, like, get through, rather. Yeah. Overcome. So maybe that, maybe that's why they're not working for me, but every time you're like, oh, yeah, they were so good, and I'm just like, mm, Like, they delivered them fine. I just don't care for the content. It's boring to me. Um, as far as this match, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that MJ, MJ is winning this. I don't, I don't know how you put this any other way. You could do Darby. You could have the big Darby swerve, kind of like they did with Samoa Joe, and then he loses it again pretty soon, but I don't see them doing that. Um, unless they're really desperate for something to set up at, uh, at one of the next pay-per-views, but isn't the next pay-per-view Forbidden Door? So they wouldn't do it there. And then Yo, after that, it's going to be crazy because I don't know if MJF is going to want to wrestle at Forbidden Door because he don't like New Japan. I mean, he doesn't like New Japan, like in kayfabe or no? Like... He he really does not like it. 
It's not kayfabe. He's not fucking bullshit. He does not like New Japan. So the chances of him actually wrestling somebody from New Japan at Forbidden Door, I don't know how high that is. So you could be right. It could be Darby, and then Darby fights at Forbidden Door, and then Darby loses it at fucking All In, and then uh, at All Out, MJF is still champion again. Or second time champion. Two time champion. It could be that. Who knows? I, I think of everybody, the only one that's not MJF that has even a remote fucking chance is Darby, but I still don't see them doing that. So I'm, I'm still going to go MJF. But if Darby wins, you know, there there is stuff they could do out of that. But there's not stuff they could do with Jungle Boy, and there's not stuff they could do with, with Sammy. Not right now, not the way they've built, been built up. But when you have the, the Darby... The thing with Darby is that he sells so much fucking merchandise for kids, too, though. Like, that's another thing you got to take into account. Sammy Guevara and Jack Perry aren't touching MJF and Darby Allen merchandise for sales right now. What fucking merchandise are you going to have for Jungle Boy? Fucking loincloth? So, the other um, the other part of this, too, is that Sting is obviously in his retirement year. Uh, and if they do want to do an angle where Sting is making sure Darby's ready and, you know, strong enough to keep it and all that shit, they, they could do that by having Darby win the belt. But I think telling that story takes longer than they have for the matches where they will eventually revisit the MJF Punk stuff. So it doesn't really make sense on the timeline. So I don't well, think there's a lot of people out there in the UK seven. that want Sting to have a match at All In. I wouldn't be opposed to MJF versus Sting at All In for the title, and then obviously MJF beats him. Um, and then, like, Darby tries to avenge him after he beats Sting type deal. Like, okay, like you were saying a few months ago, that Sting would be his final test that he's yeah. ready. So you overcame the guy that mentored you or whatever. Now you can go take the fucking title off of MJF. Yeah. And that, that wraps up Sting's career pretty nicely, too, as he passes the torch to the new guy. Um, yeah, uh, MJF, MJF is the obvious pick here. I'm going to stick with that. All right. So there you go. There you have it. That's the picks. Prediction sure to be wrong. Um, hope you guys enjoy AEW's Double or Nothing 2023. We'll be watching it tomorrow night. And don't forget, you can catch our actual live show on Twitch on Monday morning this week instead of Sunday because we are going to wait for the um, show to be over, obviously. There's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to talk about until that's over. Then we're going to review all the shows. We're going to review this show. We're going to review Battleground. We're going to review Night of Champions. We're going to review Resurgence. We're going to review uh, the winner of the Best of Super Juniors 2023. There's a lot of shit to talk about. Uh, Mercedes Monet's fucking ankle injury. We got, I mean, we got a lot of shit we can discuss. Um, so it's going to be a big show uh, live on Twitch. The link will be in the description below and if you can't catch it don't worry because those reviews will be posted separately on our youtube channel as well so thanks for everybody for all the subscribers and all the listeners and all the likes and everything and all the good comments and shitty comments i appreciate them all uh enjoy the show we'll see you very shortly deuces